Amen. There in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now notice he's getting ready to speak now to people who are saved, to people who have obtained right standing with God, and they are born again. Somebody say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Praise the Lord. The Lord is talking to you, amen? So he has a message for you. Notice what he says here. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. Now here's where I want to call your attention. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, how do all of these divine, how does this divine power reach me? How does this divine power that has the ability to affect everything pertaining to my life, my body, relationships, health, emotional state, finances, career, children. How does this divine power, this power from God that has the ability to change the landscape of life, how does it reach me? Notice what he says, through knowledge of him that has called us to glory. Through knowledge of him that has called us to glory. So notice the Bible is telling you, the Spirit of God is telling you and me, the believer, those of us who are in Christ Jesus the Lord, the Bible is telling us that God's power, this power has the ability to affect all things that pertain to this life. No matter what you're dealing with, every area of your life, God wants his power to impact that area. What does this look like? If you're dealing with sickness and God's power reaches that area, that turns into health. If you're dealing with confusion and God's power reaches that area, there's light, there's wisdom. If you're dealing with financial lack, living paycheck to paycheck and God's power reaches that area. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, he gives us the power to get wealth. Then that power changes that area. If you're dealing with brokenness, when God's power gets in that area, there's wholeness. So the power of God, somebody said the power of God. It wants to reach every area of your life, but how does it come? How does God's power reach us? Through knowledge that he has called us to the glory of God. That's what I need you to see. Through knowledge. In other words, I have to know that he has called me to glory that he has called me to glory. Let's look at a, a, a sister verse that will help us gain concept of this. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you, I believe that by the end of this series, uh, you will be equipped to begin experiencing new levels of glory that you may have not seen to this point in your life. Now notice what he says here in Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse 15. This is Paul now praying for the church at Ephesus, little Nate. And what he prayed for the church at Ephesus will work for the church at Tampa. Amen. Amen. Even if you're 15 or 14. I think you're 15 now, right? 14. Still 14. Okay, help me. Pray for me, okay? Now watch this. Verse 15. That's where I got 15 from. Verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, look at this now. He's praying for those whose faith is in the Lord Jesus. That'd be me. See, he's not talking to the Ephesians anymore. He's talking to Jarrell Cummings. He's talking to Nathan Kiva, Nathan Jr. He's talking to my sister back there. He's talking to Damian Mosley. He's talking to Kayshawn. He's talking to those whose faith is in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now watch this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What does he want you enlightened to? What does he want you coming into the light about? What does he want you to know? Watch, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, notice what Paul is praying here. He prays for those whose faith is in Jesus. And here's the only thing he's praying to God regarding these Ephesians about, Nathan. Here's what he's asking God for. He says, Father, help them, enlighten them. Help them to see that you have called them to glory. Help them to see. He doesn't pray. Now, I need you to think about this for a second. Because if, if let's say we gave you, Nathan, the opportunity to write a prayer. And this prayer is going to go... Uh, forever in the Bible, holy canon. It'll forever be captured and read for millions of years and really for eternity because the word will never pass away. Well, the average Christian, not, not saying you, but the average Christian, if they were to pray, their prayer would be on these lines. Lord, bless so-and-so. Help so-and-so. They're having a difficult time. Lord, bless this and make this happen. And oh, I got an interview. And can you, it'd be asking. Yeah. It would be coming to God in a sense of we do not have coming to God for him to do. That, that would be the average nominal Christian's prayer. And yet Paul is praying for a whole church. And not one time does he ask God to do anything for them. You say, no, he did ask God to do something for them. Not, not quite. He asked God to show them what they've been called to. That's his only request. That he has provided for them, that he has called them to a place of glory. 
and his sole prayer is give them revelation of where you have called them to be. Help them see the hope to which they have been called. Now let's deal with this word hope for a little bit because this word hope is extremely important for you to gain concept of, uh, of what we're trying to get across to you here. When the Bible uses the word hope, he does not use the word hope, Kiva, the way we do today. You see, we use the word hope, and really you could say wish. You know, well, uh, you know, are you going to get this job? I hope so, sister. I hope. I need it. Well, is, is, is he going to call you back? I hope he calls me back. Well, you're using it in the sense of, you know, you have a strong desire. You wish that this happens. That's how we use the word hope. That's not how the Bible uses the word hope. When the Bible is using the word hope, the Bible is using this word in the sense that it is a confident expectation. Confidence, meaning you're sure, and now you're looking for it. You're expecting it to happen. Not wishing. I am sure and now I'm looking for it. I'm expecting it. You follow me? So he prays. He says, you've been called somewhere. And then he says, I'm praying that God will show you where you've been called to. And it's, we know we've been called to glory. And he says, now, if you can ever see where you've been called to, you'll start expecting something different. Your expectation will rise. No longer can I stay in this place of defeat when he promised me victory. No longer can I stay in a place of brokenness when he promised me wholeness. No longer can I stay in a place of lack when he promised me abundance. No longer am I expecting, well, it's flu season and everybody gets sick during flu season. No, I'm expecting now that no plague will come now my dwelling. If it touches me, it'll die instant, instantly. You see, my expectation. So he's praying, not for God to bless them, heal them, make it work for their children, help their children get into a good school. No, 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 no. That's not, not one time does he pray that way for them. They had kids like you all do. They faced plagues like we do today. They had financial crisis like we do today. He doesn't pray that for them. He prays one prayer, help them see they've been called to glory and then jack up their expectation. Amen. Amen. Now, last week, we, 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 we said, you know, it's one thing for me to know that I've been called to glory. I can see that in the Bible, God has called me there. I can also see he has an expectation for me, or he wants me to start expecting to see his glory in the land of the living. But what is glory? What is glory? You know, you may come from a place where you're told the glory of God, and I'm not, let, let, me, let me qualify this or preface this by saying this. By no means is this series the end all be all on the glory of God. You follow me? By no means are we telling you to dismiss anything you've heard about the glory of God. All we're saying is add this into your, uh, your mental Rolodex, so to speak. 
just add this into the teaching that you have. I gave the example last week. I said there are four Gospels. <coughs> there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, you've never read Matthew and threw away John. Or you've never read Luke and, and decided, well, I like Luke, so I'm going to throw away Mark. No, but you use all four to give you a full picture of the man, Christ Jesus. That's what we're asking you to do today. We're not asking you to throw away anything you've heard prior. We're just saying, take this and help. Let's, let's use it to get a better picture, a full picture. All right? So you may come from a place where you have been told that the glory of God is a cloud that comes into the room and that cloud comes in and, and we can't stand because the, the cloud has entered into the room. And, and, and we're not saying that's wrong. We're not saying that's wrong at all. I mean, that happened in the Old Testament. The cloud came in and the priest could not stand because of the cloud. And that's what's known as the Shekinah glory of God, the manifested presence of God. We're not saying that's wrong. But what we want to do is we want to allow the Bible to interpret for us, especially in the New Testament, what glory is. See, we're living in the New Covenant. I'm not really concerned about smoke coming in or gold dust on the side of my bed when I wake up in the morning if that gold dust doesn't change me or if that cloud doesn't, when I get up from being knocked out, am I still sick? Am I still depressed? You see, if it didn't do anything, then it could have just been a smoke machine. They called it the glory. You follow me? So we want to look at what the Bible is interpreting as the glory of God. Can, can we do that real quick? Turn with me to, uh, to Romans chapter 3. To your left if you're in Ephesians. Romans chapter 3. Praise God. Praise God. Is everybody following me so far this morning? Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 3. Now, I want you to buckle your seatbelt because uh, we are going to look at a scriptural definition of glory, Nathan. And I need you to buckle your seatbelt because the scripture may give you a definition of glory that may be totally different or even hit you the wrong way. But we want to see what the Bible says. Can we all agree on that to see what the Bible has to say? Amen? Look at this. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Is everybody there? Amen. Now watch that. I heard that you hear the roar, right? Yeah. You got to hear it by faith now. Yeah. This is the uh, Elijah... Uh, you remember Elijah, he, uh, God told Elijah, he said, there won't be rain for three years, and I go tell King Ahab. So he runs, he tells King Ahab, there won't be rain for three years except at the sound of my word. That's power. One man controlling the nation. Well, three years had come and gone, and God tell, told Elijah, he said, go to King Ahab and tell him rain is coming. So Elijah goes to King Ahab. He says, there'll be rain. Make haste. Now, there's no rain. There's a fact people eating their kids. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad. Nothing like we've ever experienced. They have no food, nothing. He said, there's going to be rain, 
Hurry up, king, make haste, because the rain is going to overtake you. It's going to be so much, it's going to be torrential. It's still bone dry, but he's calling things that be not as though they were. That's faith. And so he starts running. Elijah gets down on his knees, he prays, and he tells the servant, he says, go out now, look at the edge of the mountain, and look for a rain cloud. So the servant runs out, he's scanning, he's looking, he runs back, I don't see nothing, nothing, Elijah, I don't see nothing. Elijah stays on his knees. Go back and check again. He runs back, he's scanning the horizon. Man, this old prophet, crazy boy. I don't see nothing. He runs back, Elijah, there's, there's nothing. He stays on his knees in prayer. The Bible says in the New Testament, the book of James, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. I'm not praying for God to do, but there's things resisting me, and I'm staying in that place of prayer. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm going to stay in that place of faith. I'm not letting go. That's what prayer is. And finally, he says, now go back and check again the third time. And Elijah, servant, runs out. He looks at the horizon. He scans. He scans. Man, it ain't nothing. Oh, whoa. There's a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He runs back to Elijah. He says, Elijah, there's a little cloud. From where I see it, I'd say it's roughly the size of a man's hand. Elijah gets up, dusts himself off. He said, get ready. Get the chariots ready. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. No raindrops yet. Just one little cloud the size of a man's hand. But despise not the little, for that's where the abundance comes. Every storm starts with one raindrop. Just one, all you need is one drop. Amen. Don't despise the little things that are happening in your life. Don't ever despise the little because the little turns into much. How do you make a cup overflow with water? Just one drop after another. Just consistently one drop. And so I give the Lord praise for the cloud about the size of a man's hand. The kids in kids' church, little Nathan, Keevan, this family, that family, Kayshawn, I give praise for this sister coming. Someone says, what is it? It's the sign of the abundance of rain. Amen. But see, you got to see it by faith. And we fight the good fight of faith. And so when you hear me say, oh, this place is full three times over, and oh, can you hear the pages turning? Don't laugh at me, but laugh with me. Faith has joy to it. Amen. Fear has sorrow attached to it. Fear has brokenness and, and, and bitterness attached to it. But faith has joy. Amen. 
And so I praise God for all the people in this place this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to look at the definition, the Bible definition of the glory of God. And we're going to use a New Testament verse, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Notice what it says. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, how many of you have heard this verse before? Mostly everybody have, has heard this verse some way or another. Maybe not quoted verbatim, but you, well, you know, don't judge me, we all have sinned. Something, you probably heard it like that, right? Okay. Now, notice what this verse, notice what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, he, in this verse, he's giving you not a justification to stay in sin. Well, don't judge me, don't look at me. The Bible says we all have sinned. No, that's really not what he's saying. He's trying to show you the intent that God had for man. His plan where God originally called man to be, Adam and Eve, he called them to be in a place of glory. And something disrupted that original calling. And the Bible is giving you or citing the cause for the disruption in the glory of God for man. And what is it? Sin. Now, this is, I'm just reading the B-I-B-L-E. Nowhere in here do you see my name, do you, sister? Nowhere. You just, I'm reading the Bible. So what is glory? If I want to truly know the glory of God, all I have to do is check out what life was like before sin entered. Right? I mean, you have, I tell people all the time, I say, when you come to church, don't turn your brain off. You see, God, God gave you a brain. He's, he's shown you very clearly all sin. What happened when they sinned? They came short. They no longer have the glory. Well, if I want to know what glory looks like, eliminate sin, and that's glory. Yeah. It's easy to understand, right? That's the glory of God. Take out the sin part that entered, kick sin out, glory is left. You follow me, right? What did life look like before sin entered? If I can answer that question, then I can, I can clearly see now what glory is. I don't have to wonder if it's a cloud, gold dust. All I got to do is see what happened before sin entered. That's glory, according to the Bible. You follow me, Kiva, right? Look at what happened before sin entered. Go to Genesis. If you need help finding Genesis, um, the ushers will help you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We want to see what happened before sin entered. Good job, little Nate. See, these phones are, you know, when I started going to church, I had never been to church, Kiva, in my life. And my uncle started taking me to church. And this is 2000, 99, 2000. So the only technology that was big in those days was they had the screens with the, uh, like they, you could see the pastor on the screen. Remember that? So you didn't have, you know, no matter where you were, you could see that was our big technology. No streaming in those days, nothing. Well, we didn't even have Bible programs to put scriptures up at that point. So everybody had to, I remember my uncle gave me a Bible and I had never used a Bible in my life. And I didn't know, man, he'd have to find his pages, then find their pages and go back and forth. And thank God for the phones now. You can just or the iPad, you can just move it. I still like a Bible. I still like to hear pages turn. Maybe they can put an app where the page, you can hear pages turning, and that'll help out. 
All right. <clears throat> but look at this. You know, I, I like the Bible because it'll never run out of batteries. I never have to worry about this dying on me. You see? All right. Now watch this. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Let's see what happened before sin entered. And God said, let us make man in our image. So he's going to look just like us, God said. And after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. dominion. Now, when you hear dominion, uh, this is a sidebar, but sometimes these little rabbit trails help out as much as anything. When you hear dominion, what do you hear? Authority. I do too. Let me say it to you like this. What is the, what is the root? Well, let me put it to you this way. What if I told you that God was saying, well, let me say this. When I hear dominion, I do hear authority. But when I hear dominion, I also hear dominate. Be at the top. That's what he's getting ready to tell him. Have dominion, and then he lists the creation. Over this, over this. Oh, what's he saying? Be at the top. Right? He's saying be at the top. When? Don't be down, but be over. Now, he doesn't say anything about man. He doesn't say have dominion over man, because we don't have dominion over each other. We serve each other, right? But we do dominate out here. In wherever market you're in in your career, you dominate, have dominion. Where, wherever you're in, dominate, and you are. You go to school, you dominate. You hear me? Yeah. You dominate, my sister. That's what God is saying. Look at this. He says, and God says, let us make man in our, in our image after our likeness. Watch this. Let them have dominion or dominate the market. Dominate in that area. Dominate over the fish of the sea, over, notice, over, be on top, be at the top. Over the fowl of the air, over the cattle of the earth, and over all the earth you should be dominating, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now watch this, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Watch this now, here's what I want you to see, verse 28. And God blessed them. And God did what? He blessed them. He blessed them. Now, what does the blessing do? He's going to go on to tell you. And said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, you need to pay attention to me here and don't disconnect. God did not say to them, God bless you. He didn't say that. The Bible says what God said to him. What did he say, my sister? There you go. Say it loud so everybody can hear you. Be fruitful and multiply. And the Bible said that was how God blessed them. So the blessing is 
the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, it's not children only. It's not, it's not children. It's not just saying, you know, have a lot of kids. No. He is now empowering you to have success, Amen. to increase. Let me say this to you. God said to man, he creates him in his own image, just like him. And as man is, and woman was there too. It's man and woman, they are mankind. Not man in the sense of gender. Man now is woman and man. He is speaking to both. He created both. And he says to them, be fruit. He only says two words, be fruitful, multiply. And the Bible said he blessed them. So the blessing is the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. Now watch this. Watch this. Now you need to hear me. Hear me. And if you can learn this at a young age, Nathan, if you can learn this, when God told the fish to swim, the fish did not have to go and take swim lessons. Innately in the fish was the ability to swim. Now it might sputter at first, it might have to learn how to use its gills, but inherent in the fish is the ability to swim. It doesn't have to learn it. it it's born with it. When God told the bird to fly, the bird doesn't have to go to flight school. Now, you may have to nudge the bird. You may have to push the bird out the nest so that it sees what it has. You may have to do certain things to get it going, but the bird is born to fly. Likewise, you. You are born, inherit, with the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. You are blessed beyond measure. Right now, you're blessed. You don't have to, now I'm not saying don't go to school because that's the mama bird pushing her, the baby bird out the nest. You're learning how to use your wings. I'm not saying don't go to school. I'm not saying don't get your education. I'm not saying anything, anything like that at all. But what I am saying is you must recognize that I am made in the image and likeness of God. Just as the fish swims and the bird flies, so I'm fruitful and I multiply. I'm born with it. It's not hard. I just have to learn how to use my wings. Do you follow me? Okay? So God gave the blessing to man. Well, let's see what happened after sin entered. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> Remember now, <clears throat> after sin entered, what did man come short of? The glory. the glory. What's your name, sister? Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. After sin entered, what happened to the glory, Nathan? Man came short of it. Kiva, after sin entered, what, what did man come short of? The glory of God. So now, before sin entered, God blesses him. Let's see what happened after sin enters. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. 
And God said unto Adam, Because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Do not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake or on account of you. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You disobeyed. God never cursed anybody. Cursed is the ground now for your sake. In sorrow you will eat of it, thorns and thistles. It'll bring up to you in the sweat of your face. You'll, you'll, you'll eat bread. Now, notice he loses the blessing, and in, in place of the blessing, he gets what? The curse. So, my, here's what I submit to you. If, if, if I'm going to use the Bible definition of glory, which is everything that existed prior to sin entering, then I submit to you, Nikki, that the glory of God is synonymous or equal to the blessings of God. Why do I say that? Or why are we saying that this morning? Because after sin entered, he lost the blessing and the curse came in its place. Before sin entered, he was blessed. He was fruitful. He was multiplying. After he sinned and sin entered, no longer do we see that. So what is the glory of God? I submit to you, the glory of God is nothing more than the blessings of God. If you understand that, say amen. 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 Do you understand that, Kevin? Amen. Now let's go look at one more. Let's go look at one more uh, definition of the, of the glory of God. And this, this, this will help you. Go to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Now why are we looking at this? Because you've been called to glory. And so it makes no sense for us to rush and to show you how to walk in the glory of God if you don't first know what the glory of God is. You can't expect anything that you don't have knowledge of. If I never told you that I'm coming to visit you and your family at 10 o'clock, you would never have an expectation that I'm coming because I never made that known to you. Right? You can't expect something that you don't have knowledge of. It'd be a surprise. It wouldn't be expectation, correct? So notice what Paul prayed in Ephesians. We read that they would have the hope, the knowledge of where they've been called so they can start expecting. Now, see, thank you, Lord. This, is, this, is, this, is, this will be really good. Now, hear me. Hear me now. Don't disconnect. Hear me. Hear me. You cannot expect something that you don't have knowledge of. Correct. Correct. He prays for the church that they be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. For what purpose? That they may know. So one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give me yeah, but not head knowledge. Now, that's what we point to because that's our mind, but revelation knowledge. The eyes of my understanding, my heart. The ability, the part of me that gains concept, my, my spiritual womb. He wants me to see beyond what I see, know beyond what I know. Remember, he prays for them in chapter 3. He says, in chapter 3, he says, I pray that you would know the height, depth, length, and breadth 
of the love of God which passes knowledge. How can I know the height, depth, length, breadth, and love? How can I know it if it passes knowledge? Because you don't know with the, this noodle up here. He's talking about knowing here with the eyes of the spirit man. How can, think about it. See, we just read that. He says, I'm praying that you might know, and then it goes height, depth, breadth, length, which passes knowledge. So if it passes knowledge, if it's beyond the ability to comprehend, how can I comprehend it? Because your spirit is sharper than your head. Amen. He wants you to get revelation knowledge. You follow me? And so he prays for the church. He doesn't ask God for anything other than show them where they are called to, which is glory. Show them that they've been called to glory so they can now start hoping so they can now start expecting. Now, why does God need me to start expecting or hoping? Well, you understand we're using hope and expectation interchangeably, right? They're the same in the Bible. Why does God need me to start hoping or expecting? So we can, you can speak to ain't nobody in here but us. Everybody else is in the spirit. So it can happen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, Faith gives substance to things, things, things hoped for. So my faith is only as good as my hope is intact. If my hope, if my expectation is off, my faith is off. If my expectation is not in harmony with God's word, which is why he prays for them to come in harmony with God's word, then I won't be able to produce the word of God or give substance to it in my life. If my expectation is off, my faith is off. What do, what do I need to be expecting? I need to be expecting or hoping for the glory. Christ is now in me. What's now my grounds for hope? The hope of glory. My expectation is now to see the glory of God. Well, what is the glory of God? That's what the blessing of God. It's the blessings of God. It's the blessings of God. If I don't know what the blessings of God are, Kiva, can I properly or correctly expect or hope for them? This is the problem in the church. If I don't know or realize, if I don't have revelation of where I have been called to, then I won't leave the place I'm presently at. I won't, God is calling me to higher ground the place of glory, the place of blessing, the place of his goodness. But if I don't realize, if, I don't, if I'm not enlightened to that fact, I'll be a Christian and be an alien, an outsider. Even though it's legally and rightfully mine, I won't enjoy it. Because everything in the kingdom of God operates by faith including the glory of God. Amen. 
I want to show you that real quick. I want to show you that real quick. Go with me. Go with me to... Uh, go with me to, I want to say... See, I didn't expect to go here, so y'all got to... <laughs> Got to walk with me for a second now. Uh, okay, let's look at let's look at let's look at John eleven. John eleven. John eleven. Is everybody still with me this morning? All right. I got one. Amen. 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 Thank you, Nathan. Keep you with me this morning. You with me this morning, Nikki? All right, and all the, wow, awesome. Now, we got to be on time this morning. I got to get you out of here by 11.30 because we got the second service starting. All right, so they're going to be coming in after you. I got to get you out. Amen. Keep it A. A to the man. All right, now look at this. All right, look at this. John 11. Look with me now. Now, we, notice the point we're making, Kajan. The point we're making, I've been called to glory. I need to know what the glory of God is. He's praying for me to know so that my expectation can be or my hope can be correct. So I need to know what the blessings of God are so that I can start expecting those blessings to impact my life. And then now that expectation will actually cause my faith to bring it to pass or give substance to it, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And so we said that even the glory of God, even the blessings of God, glory and blessing the same, the blessing, we have the idea that the blessings just kind of fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. It'll just happen. If God wants it to happen, it will happen because I'm God's child. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen, watch this, because God loves me. Now, don't get offended at me now. I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. I'm God's friend. The Bible calls you a friend to God. If you're in Christ, if you believe, Jesus said, I call you friends. Well, because I'm God's friend, because I'm God's child, because God loves me, it, it's going to just happen for me, independent of me. No. Everything in your life, even the glory, the blessings of God, Flow in your life through faith. Everything works by faith in the kingdom of God, even the glory. Look at this, John 11, and look with me here at verse 30. Well, look, well, let, you know what? Let's start in verse 32. Because if you have the concept, well, I'm Jesus' friend, and he loves me, therefore it's just going to happen, independent of my faith. I don't really have to believe. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to hear the word. I don't have to keep my mind stayed on him. I don't need to be meditating on the word day and night. It's just going to happen for me because God loves me. I'm saved. I'm going to show you a friend of God. Lazarus. The only person in the Bible Jesus wept for. Jesus loved this man. And yet faith was still required if, they were gonna, if this family was going to experience the glory of God. And Jesus was physically with them. Jesus in the flesh with them physically still requiring faith. He the same yesterday, today, and come on now, forever. Yes, 
He still needs what? Faith. Faith is what releases the glory or the blessings of God. Look at this. John 11, John 11 and verse, uh, you know what? We're going to start, oh man. Let's start here in verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, look, look. Behold how he loved him. Yet nothing happened. There is no resurrection. There is no healing. The man is still dead, yet the Lord loves him. The Lord is touched in his emotions by what's going on with this man, by what's going on with this family. But yet, even though everyone is crying and everyone is emotional, the power of God still isn't released. This is important because God does not move by need. Listen to me. My emotions, they touch the heart of God, but they don't release his power. The Bible says he's easily touched with the feelings of our infirmity, our pain, our hardship. He see, you know, sometimes people wonder, don't he see my baby sick? Don't he see I can't pay my bill? How could God, how could he leave us like this? He sees it and he's still weeping today. It still moves his heart today. But your emotion, your sobbing, your tears, your state of need does not release the power of God. He's crying, they're crying, yet nothing is changing yet. You may be crying, heaven is crying with you, but that doesn't change your situation. God does not move by need. If he moved by need, Africa, Indonesia, would be glowing with the glory of God because they need it the most. Little children with bellies popped out. Women being sold as, as, as into, sex, into the sex industry. People eating nothing, going days without eating, no clean water. They need it. God, you love them? Of course God is weeping, God is crying, but faith is what changes your situation. Not your emotions, not how bad it is, not how long you've been in that state. Lazarus is in this state four days. It doesn't matter what we've been like this for this long. How come God hasn't done anything? Until faith is present, there will be no change. Faith is what releases the power of God. Do you understand that? Yes. Now watch this. Verse 30, uh, verse 36. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this should not have died? People still say that today. God could have kept this accident from happening if he really, isn't he God? He could have kept that from happening. Faith is required. God never let anything happen. You let it happen. 
Yeah, I know. I know that. I know. <laughs> I know. God never let anything happen. You let it happen. The, he put you here, and he told you to look to him. If he intervenes in your life, it's because you permit him. He, you give faith, you believe, you open the door to him. This is what they're saying. He, he, how come he let this happen? He didn't let this happen. Let's keep reading. Verse 36, I mean, verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, now watch, take away the stone. Now, this is faith. Listen to me very clearly, Nikki. Nathan, Eva, listen to me. Faith, Damien, listen to me. Kayshawn, listen to me. Everybody in here, listen to me. Faith is revealed in two ways. Words and actions. You cannot say you believe something and act contrary to what you believe. We do this all the time. We, we will say we're healed, and yet we act sick. You lay in the bed, have your wife bring you tea and rub your fevered brow, and yet you say, I'm healed. Well, Pastor, I'm in too much pain to get up. Rolling away a stone isn't easy. Nobody said it's going to be easy, but if you really believe you're well, what do well people do? Would you be sleeping at this time of day if you were well? No. Then get up and act like you're healed. See, people say, well, I believe I'm blessed and I believe I'm prosperous, yet we can't get you to give. Well, I got a bill to pay. Do you believe God supplies all your needs? Oh, yes, Pastor. I believe God supplies all my needs. Then act like it. Because blessed people are a blessing. Don't focus on you getting blessed. You start focusing on what blessed people do, which is be a blessing, and you'll release the blessed part to be a blessing. Does that make sense? See, you just start acting like the word is so. Just start acting like it. They may be laughing at it. Like, you see me right here acting like the word is so. Just acting like the word is so. Acting like this place is full. Same way I'm preaching to three people right now is the same way I preach when it's 3,000 people. Acting like the word is so. So he, he requires something of her before his power goes into play. He doesn't just show up and raise him from the dead. See, that's what we think. You know, Jesus just walked by the shores of Galilee, and he just saw the little babies there, and oh, okay, get up. Okay, everybody here is sick. All right, get, no. He's requiring an act. Anytime Jesus moved in somebody's life physically where health was concerned, he required an act. You had a short arm, put your arm out. What do you mean put my arm out? I can't put my arm out. It's short. Stretch it out. You can't walk? Get up from the, from the bed and walk. That when they brought him through the house, remember they lowered him? He said, arise and walk. The blind man, go show you, uh, the lepers, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. As they acted. See, faith is an act. You can give your way out of poverty by acting like it's so, by acting like you're blessed. You say, I got 50 cents. Take 25 of it. I'm telling you. 
You can get, you can get, you can, you can, you can act your way out of sickness. Let's say you wear glasses. You may need your glasses at work. Wake up, Damon. You may need your glasses at work. But when you get home and you read the Bible, take your glasses off for 10, 15 minutes. Maybe read one chapter and by faith just pray in tongues and, and read and see, start acting. See, you, can, you have to act. You have to roll away the stone. Your tears don't get it to, to work. Your need isn't going to get it to work. Your friendship status isn't going to get it to work. Faith is what releases the glory. Now watch this. And we're closing here. We're closing here. Now watch this. John 11, verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he's thinking. <clears throat> he'd been dead four days. Now watch. Jesus didn't say, you know what? You're right. That is too difficult. You know what? I know you got the coronavirus, and I know you got no strength, and you're fatigued. But you know, I understand. You need to lay in bed. Don't worry. I know you're healed. I know you ain't got no money to pay your bills, but my word still says give. You know what? For you, you don't have to give. See, that's rolling away the stone. It may be difficult, but he's still telling you to do it. You have to find some way to demonstrate what you say you believe. Faith without works is dead. You have to find some way to express that I believe this is true. Now watch this. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if you would believe. What did he tell her to do in that moment? He didn't tell her nothing about having faith in that moment. What did he tell her to do? Move the stone. He told her to move the stone. But you're right, nigga, that's faith. See, he's saying, didn't I tell you? The, the whole argument is I don't want to move this stone. He responds, didn't I say if you believe it will work? What does, what's the evidence that she believes? If she's willing to move the stone, if she's willing to act on the word. Jesus said, move the stone. Lord, I can't because of all these reasons. Jesus says, give. Lord, I can't because I got a rent due. Jesus says, do this. Oh, Lord, I can't. But you have a million reasons for why you can't do something, and they're valid. But he's telling you to act. What happens if you'll believe? Watch this. Didn't I say unto you that if you would believe, you would see? You would see. Isn't that where we all want to be? Manifestation. We want to see the blessing. We don't want our Lazarus to stay dead. We don't want to stay living paycheck to paycheck. We don't want to stay with a sickness with diabetes. We don't want to stay in lack. We don't want our kids to keep going down the wrong path. We want our situation to change. How do you change it? Do my tears get the power to move? No. It's only when I roll away the stone. It's only when I act or put faith. When I believe, then I would see. It's not Lord, don't you see I'm in this situation and I've been in it for four days. It's been a long time. Don't you see, Lord? Don't you love me, Lord? Yes, he loved Lazarus. Lazarus was in that situation a long time, but that didn't change it. He cried over Lazarus, but that didn't change it. Faith, when she moved the stone, the power was released. Yeah. <coughs> you see that, Nikki? 
Jesus said, take away the stone. Excuse me, verse 40. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Now watch. Then they took away the stone. See, so now they're acting on their faith. They took it away. They obeyed. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You have heard me. And I know you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Not until they moved the stone. He required faith from them. They had to have faith. Why? Because faith is how we receive even the glory, the blessings of God. If you want to see your life go from death to life, poverty to wealth, sickness to health, what the Bible calls glory, if you want to see glory, it requires faith. It requires faith. And so what we'll do next week, we'll quit here, but what we'll do next week is we're going to begin to build on this understanding of what the blessings are. It's one thing, as we said earlier, to know that I'm called to glory. But if I'm going to start having a hope for glory, or if I'm going to start expecting to see the glory, I need to have knowledge of what the glory of God is, what the blessings are, so that my expectation will ignite faith to give substance to it. Do you understand that? 